Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Hello there, everybody. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach. I'm the founder of the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program. I'm the author of these beautiful six books here over my left and right shoulder. (laughs) And I'm also the creator of No Hassle Newsletters, my extraordinary done-for-you newsletter program. It's been used by over 1,200 small business owners in nine countries. But most importantly today, I'm the host of Dream Business Radio, now in its 10th year. This is episode 529, 529. I want to wish you all a very happy and, and healthy and prosperous new year and welcome Back, we've had, I guess, two weeks off, maybe three, I think two for the for the holidays and, and moving and oh, my back. But welcome to another fantastic live edition of Dream Business Radio. I have such a great guest today, Brad Zalas, and I've been practicing his name for 10 years. Brad Zalas, how are you doing today, Brad? <laughs> Incredible. Hey, I, I wanted to do your intro. It's like, welcome to Dream Business Radio with yeah, Captain Jim Palmer. Because you, you, man, you've done voiceovers for the stars and all that yep. stuff. I have actually. Uh, oh my I used God. To... You got such a resume. I've, I've mm-hmm. been really looking forward to this. Anyway, let oh, me thanks. let me do um, let me do a little business here, and then we'll dive in. Because uh, honestly, folks, Brad and I were in the, in the uh, green room waiting for the old countdown clock, and I said, "Oh God, there's three seconds left." Because because right. we're talking up a storm. Anyway, folks, this episode of Dream Business Radio is brought to you by the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program. If you are an entrepreneur, small business owner, if you're tired of slow to no growth in your business, if you're feeling overwhelmed, unfocused, but especially if you are interested in learning how to create multiple streams of revenue, which is the way to create a very good, healthy income, which will lead to freedom in your business, in your personal life, then you want to check out the Dream Business Mastermind. It's about 27 entrepreneurs right now, led by me, Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. You can learn more at dreambizcoaching.com. That is dreambizcoaching.com. All right, let me tell you a little bit about Brad. This is going to be a little hard for me because um, if I read his real professional bio, it's his head's going to swell up real big. So <laughs> now no, he deserves it. Brad Zalas. He is a, not see Brad, and I'm trying to do your voice. He is a serial entrepreneur, a former C-level executive at an award-winning and an award-winning business author. One of Brad's startups was an awesome agency named K2 Design, which is pretty cool. It became a publicly traded company on NASDAQ in an IPO. As a result, Brad was thrust into the limelight as a dot-com executive. Ooh, dot-com executive at a fairly early age, and he's been featured in Forbes, Inc. Magazine, Advertising Age, Cranes Business Week. He has also appeared on international television shows, podcasts, other media outlets, culminating with his live appearance today on Dream Business Radio. That'll now be on his resume. Brad is the award-winning author of a fantastic book called Liquid Leadership, and he's the host of the very popular podcast, Awakened Nation, where he interviews today's cutting-edge outliers and entrepreneurs, including yours truly. Just last week, I was very honored to be the guest there. Bradley, once again, how you doing? Welcome to Dream Business Radio. Jim, hey, it's an honor to be on the show. And um, man, this is going back a decade now. 
We've known we, each other a decade. Yeah, we. I was going to say we met each other 10 years ago at the 75th anniversary of Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. We were both asked to do a keynote at this, like a two or two and a half day event. And um, anyway, I that was that was a uh, that 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 event was almost life changing for me. And I know for you, it was also one of your early uh, yeah. endeavors, keynoting a, a major event. But um, you know, Brad, before we dive into it, I know um, as an award winning author, you get asked all the time for interviews. So I'm, I'm grateful <laughs> you came on my show. But. Um, you know, the thing is, I, I like to start out before we get into nuts and bolts strategy and all that. I, I really know, I believe, but I've also been told, which is how I know, that my audience loves a little bit of the backstory because in addition to strategy and what works, they love the inspiration because sometimes we all need to just know that, oh my gosh, I'm right there now where he was yeah. and so I can hang on too. So I know any entrepreneur that has accomplished uh, any level of success at all has had their fair share of failure or testing, or mm. shall we say things that didn't go according to plan. How did you, give us a little bit of backstory, how you became an entrepreneur and maybe how you dealt with some of the early setbacks, which I know you had. Yeah. I, I, you know what? It's funny. We, we always look at the successes and we never look at the the failures and how we learn from those. And that's actually how he started. Um, my father was the um, first generation uh, Hungarian born here in the United States from my immigrant grandparents. So if you know anything about Hungarians and anybody born during the great depression, uh, I was born during the great depression because okay. my, my dad was so cheap in the seventies asking him for $1, $20, whatever was so horrifying, Jim, that it was easier to start a business. Think about that. <laughs> so I started my first business at 16 accidentally uh with friends of mine who um we did dj work that's all we did we we got two turntables and we had speakers and i had an amplifier and we ran around and that first business taught me simple marketing profit and loss and so i i cut my it on that uh, my eye teeth on that and then years later um you cut your it teeth it teeth on that yeah <laughs> Uh, because imagine that, I mean, this was back way before CDs, uh, any kind of technology, everything was analog. So we had, we had actual albums, you know, record albums. So some of you carrying crates of albums out there. Yeah. And it was insane. And we didn't, we didn't make that much money. I mean, it was gas money, but, um, I learned, you you know, the basics of business. And so moving on years later, I wound up going to college for art and design, graphic design, illustration. And I get to New York City and I'm, I'm thinking, man, I'm going to make it big in New York, man. You know, and here I, I am. I got, I, got a, I got my dad's suitcase from 1942. You remember those light uh, brown leather ones with the white stitching? Yeah. You know, the only thing that was missing was a fedora you know, and a baggy suit. <laughs> and uh, so this is like 1984. I get to New York City. My best friend that I grew up with, he actually moved to New York City. He picked me up. I stayed at his apartment for a couple of weeks and I interviewed for jobs and I got a job. And um, it, it was weird. But for the next four years, um, whenever they had to make cutbacks, they always went to the art department and we were doing corporate art, you know, so it was like annual reports laying out, you know, print and design. And I accidentally wound up doing um which we call it. Uh, I wound up doing graphic design for big corporate meetings where they were projected on the screen. Wow. 
And so after about four years of being hired and fired, hired and fired, um, let go because their budget, you know, the first people to go. And I said, you know what? Screw this. And I started my second business, which was me being a freelance artist, basically offering mm -hmm. my talents, working on some of the most amazing projects ever. Uh, and I did that for many, many years freelancing and, you know, getting my skills up there, getting a name for myself. After about 10 years of this, you know, one of my buddies from college, Doug Cleek, he looks at me and he goes, well, you know, we used to hang out and he introduced me to clients. And one Christmas around the Christmas holidays, we went out to dinner with one of his clients and, uh, he's driving me home cause we lived in the same neighborhood. And he looked at me and he said, I want to start a business with you. Wow. And I, and I had started other, another business before that and gotten burned because I had a business partner that didn't have any ambition, would disappear for weeks, take money out of the bank. And I'm like, enough with this crap. And I looked at Doug and I said, you have to prove to me that, you know, give me, give me a reason, three reasons why the hell I should go into business with you. You know, I was really snarky back then. And he came back a week later with like 10 reasons. And I was like, Okay, you had me at number four. <laughs> you had me <laughs> yeah. at hello. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was one of those moments. So we started planning, and this was this was the most amazing piece of kismet, um, you know, serendipity or God wink, whatever you want to call it. But he comes over to my house, and we're going through names. And you remember back in the nineties? This is ninety three. Um, we were thinking of very waspy names like Bradley Douglas, you know, our first mm. name is agency. And we're thinking with all these things. And um, we had 50 names, Jim. I mean, 50 on a, on a sheet. And we were so excited, proud of ourselves. Because your and, name and logo is so important. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so as we're leaving, he's leaving my apartment and uh, he's walking out. I look up and there's a um, photo I had taken up on uh, a mountain we had climbed together. And I said, you know, take a look at that list, relax with it. You know, naming a company is important, but it's not important, but mm -hmm. it, it has to feel right for the partners. And he goes, sure. I said, and I had skis in the corner and a bunch of other, you know, winter stuff. And I said, who knows? I mean, maybe we want to call it, I don't know, K2. And we looked at each other and chills ran up the back of our <laughs> spine. We went, holy shit. And but sorry for swearing. Um, we, I mean, it was literally lightning. Yeah, you know, up and down your spine. And mm -hmm. so I turned around and um, that's what we named it. And so we went down to 60 Worth Street and filed everything. And that's how we started, February of 1992. So you were, you were the creative. And I know a lot of people know you for being a speaker. You've done stand-up comedy and you got your podcast. So you do a lot of different things, but you're one hell of a talented graphic artist. Oh, and you. so I guess at the K2 agency, you were the creative director. No, both of us actually were uh, creative directors. Ow. And here's the funny part. You know, we were two graphic designers at the time. And uh, we started the company with our two Mac 2CIs with 13-inch mm. VGA screens. <laughs> Tiny little screens. I don't have the eyesight to work on a 13-inch screen yes, today. Yes, I remember. I worked on That was my first when I was at the bike shop. And I started doing all the marketing and stuff like that. It was yeah. on one of those tiny all-in-one oh little Macs. This is so amazing. Well, here's a piece of advice for um, your audience. We literally bootstrapped this. We didn't have any money. I would freelance a little bit here and there, and we built the office. We actually renovated it ourselves. Um, Doug's brother-in-law came in and helped us build a staging area. We hooked up the two Mac 2 CIs, and we didn't have any electrical outlets. We had to plug the whole thing 
off of one outlet on the other side of the room. So oh. we couldn't, we couldn't overdo it. Okay. <laughs> um, and then uh, we, all the serendipity began to fall into place. So Doug and I had both been working in opposite ends of the design industry. Okay. He was doing high end corporate stuff, menus and, and um, all the, all the catalogs and everything you needed at hotels. So they had to be in New York city. You have people speaking six, seven languages coming in. So they he had to do all this layout, same layout uh, six different times for six different languages. So he had this amazing print background. I had this corporate meeting background. So I was used to designing stuff that was going to go up on a billboard or mm -hmm. a jumbotron or in the stadium. So we brought those two skills together. And one of the things I was really good at is presentation. Okay. And so that's what we did. So our first two clients that we got quite by accident uh, was we had American Express Publishing hired us. We were doing their sales trainings uh, and they were flip charts. We were doing those, you know, graphically. And then the second one was Banco Popular. And people don't realize this, but back in the 90s, Banco Popular fused with Banco de Ponce and they became the largest bank in the Western Hemisphere. Oh my goodness. Huge from Canada all the way down to South America. And so most of their depositors were Latino. And so we had to do all their bank applications and all this stuff in um, New Eurekan, it's called. So it's 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 uh, a lot of the the population in New York City is Puerto Rican, um, mm -hmm. but they they mix in a little bit of English and a little bit of slang. So it's it's actually called New Eurekan. So we had to hire somebody to do it in New Eurekan, and so it was amazing. Do you want to hear how we landed that account? Yes, and then and make it a two minute version because I got so many questions I want to ask you. So, but so it is Bongo, interesting. Bongo Popular, Doug had a contact up there, and. Uh, uh, he, he was, a you know, older gentleman, uh, and he called us up and he said, Hey, I want you guys to design our apps. Okay. It's, you know, our applications and our brochures and all this and the new posters. Mm -hmm. Remember this is like 94. And so, um, we went back, we did all these designs. We come up and we, you know, we're wearing suits, but we didn't, we didn't take it seriously. Well, we're standing in the lobby waiting for this guy to come out. Uh, and, all of a sudden, these two people get up and they go to leave and they say, hey, thank you. And we see them and he's escorting them out and they shake hands. He introduces us to them and we're shaking hands and they go to leave. And Doug looks at me. He goes, do you know who that was? I go, no. Who? He goes, that's the largest design firm in New York City. <laughs> this, this is a pitch fest. This is a pitch fest. So in other words, all day, seven agencies are going to pitch and we're mm. the young we're the young guns who don't have a pot to piss in, don't have money in the bank, nothing. Here we are. And we get into this room and it's a conference room. And Doug, he knows I know how to, I'm a good, you know, pitch guy, but we didn't plan anything. And he goes, we have two guys from Puerto Rico and two guys who are obviously from Massachusetts, Chase, and they don't like each other. And they've taken over Banco Popular. And now we got to pitch in front of these people who are a little oh. agitated with each other. And so Doug goes, well, you know, we came up with preliminary designs, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes, but I'm going to let Brad run the rest of the meeting. <laughs> oh, my God. That's hysterical. <laughs> and I gave him that look that only friends who've known each other for years can give. Where I'm like, you son of a gun. You are you. dead. <laughs> <laughs> so I pitched the whole meeting. And about a day or two later, we got a phone call. And they basically said, you won the account. And right away, that was like a $250,000 account. From right zero out of the gate. to 50 in, 90, yeah. in the early 90s. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. And so that's how we nailed that, that first one. But uh, go so ahead and ask more. What else you there, want to ask? There's with? so many lessons there. First of all, you took the shot. And yeah. may, I don't even know if you would have taken the shot had you known, but but not being naive sometimes is a real blessing. Right? It is. I mean, we were competing against, we didn't even know this. We were competing against 4,000 other design firms in New York City for work. And we, we, it just never crossed our mind. We just go, we're going to start a company. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. What yeah. a great story. I know, um, well, was just staying on the design side of things because it's, it's publicly not who you are, but you're, you're still in demand on the, on the back end. You recently yeah. did some work for Damon John from the Shark Tank. Yeah. What was that like? You know, uh, I've been working with Linda Johansson James. Uh, I help, I help a lot of people with their personal branding, you know, mm -hmm. because, um, Personal branding is not only hot, but 40% of a company's valuation is tied into the CEO's, you know, brand online. If you can, if you can't Google them and can't find them, people don't invest. So I'm working with her and she goes, she started creating a magazine, you know, to, as a, as a funnel to get people in, interested in what she does. And what she does is she manages companies, you know, retail space all across the United States and in France and around the world. Uh, barbell is one of her brands. If you go into a barbell store and you see the staff there, Linda Johansson, James company, international retail staffs, those, those places. So she wanted to do a magazine and she knows a lot of famous people. And so her first magazine was done by somebody else and they had Jane Seymour on the cover. Okay. And when you opened it up, there were like 400 typos in this first magazine. I said, you cannot <laughs> do this. Who is doing your work? You know, and I complained. And then they went to do the second magazine and they had a completely different logo from one magazine to the next. I said, you can't do that anymore, Linda. I said, she goes, could you do it? I said, I don't want to do magazines anymore. And then, you know, a month goes by. She goes, could you do the next magazine? I said, I don't want to do magazines anymore. And then she goes, could you do the magazine, please? I said, I will do the magazine. Uh, and she says, Damon's on the cover and she's wow. good friends with Damon John. So I'm like, yes, awesome. So, um, they sent me a photo and if you know anything about doing photo retouching or, uh, using it as an illustration, the, the photographer did a great job. I'm not knocking what he did, but he shot it outside mm -hmm. and with that, that musty air and, and it was under Dumbo, which is down under the Manhattan bridge, um, on the Brooklyn side. And it was just not a great photo. It had, a, it need a lot of retouching. <clears throat> so I took about a week or two mm -hmm. and I enhanced everything. I took the bald, uh, you know, when somebody's bald on top, the, the light strikes it, you know, and makes it white. I took that away, put a starburst behind it. I, I adjusted all the colors and I sent it over. And originally Linda just wanted me to have the cover. And then she begged me actually to do the, the rest of the, the magazine. So when I sent that over, Damon John's team just was like, Oh wow. You know, and Damon even reached out and said, Hey, this, this is fantastic. And so that was the beginning of working with his team. I actually had to call them on zoom. Uh, Zach, I had to speak to him and, and Damon had just gone, um, on, on a television show. He was on live. So I was, I was working with his team, uh, emailing him as well to get approval on certain things. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it, it was exciting because it's another level. I mean, I've worked with celebrities before, but Damon's story is the most unique because he, like you and me, he built it from scratch. He wasn't, you know, That's born right. with a silver spoon in his mouth. And on the Shark Tank, he's become the entrepreneur's 
you know, the, the people's entrepreneur. And so, yeah. um, uh, now I did the layouts for inside the magazine and everything. Are came you out. kidding? I did the whole magazine, which, you know, when you're trained in New York design and you've been there for a number of years, it's really not that hard. It's just a matter of, you got to get the spreads right. And you got to know how to use type as a design element because mm. design is very important when you use the type correctly. And so laying it all out, getting the typos out of there, um, the layout came out so good, Jim, that the company that printed the physical version of the magazine, they asked to use it in their portfolio, their oh. permanent portfolio. So, so how does that work? Do you have or some kind of, do you have to sign off on that? I mean, do you own that retouch photograph? Um, all that, I mean, I created that art so I can do okay. whatever I want with it, you know, as far as displaying and showing things. Um, but, um, hopefully I'm going to get Damon on my show and, um, any artwork I use for that, I just run it by his team and they give me approval because they own the rights to every one of their photos, but they give us the rights to use it. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to see Damon on your show. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. Entrepreneur to entrepreneur. Uh, because you know, what's unique, his mom helped him, um, you know, on the, he did this on the kitchen table at his mom's house. And anybody who's been an entrepreneur, you know, you have that dark night of soul or that moment where you get knocked on your tuchus, uh, to use a Yiddish word. Yeah. Um, and Damon had his mom. And I think we all, you know, my dad was my biggest cheerleader, my biggest supporter. My mom was proud, but my dad gave me the business acumen. You know, he, he was the one who's disciplined. I'm, I'm an artist. I could be all over the place if it wasn't for my dad's discipline. And you, you have your wife. You have Stephanie. Yeah. Stephanie is always there for you. So I think every entrepreneur, you know, when you, it's a rough road, I'm not going to lie to people. You know, I've had a lot of failures as well. Um, and it's that in those moments of darkness, who do you have that's your support structure that can say, hey, man, get back in the saddle, you know? And they might, and it might be tough love too. It might not be like, you yeah, know, you're a jerk. Sometimes you need to stand up and learn from this. You know, it's like, <laughs> okay. Uh, so let's talk about your podcast, Awaken Nation. Um, yeah. You know, so I started my podcast in in um, ten years ago, like 2012. And back then, I thought, man, I am so late to the party. I kept, I didn't yeah. want, and you know, Adam Homey, who, who you know, has been working with me for a long time, Adam said, Homie. "All right, let's get this thing going. We need a name." And he goes, "What should we call it?" And I turned around and I, I, I looked at that book and I go, "How about Stick Like Glue Radio?" <laughs> right? Stick Like Glue. So Radio. that's how it started. Of course, then you know, years later, I rebranded everything: Dream Business Mastermind, Dream Business Coach. So we right. changed, but um. What's interesting today is it seems like there's millions and millions and millions. And so I saw you launch Awaken Nation like two years ago, maybe? Uh, four, actually. It was two, wow. 2019. Man, yeah. Time's flying. Yeah. But, you know, the, the cool thing about it is you, you, um, you don't, you're not afraid. You're not dictated by the clock, right? So no. if you go 45 minutes, in our case, we went an hour. But you'll go deep on a topic. Yeah. You know, the, no offense if, if to whoever's listening, if this is your format, but um, if you were on a desert island, what video would you like to have? You know, it's like, oh, these formulaic shows are just, uh, but you, I mean, in a way it's like, I appreciate you because it's my style. Also, if I get excited about a guest, I'm learning something and I may have six, eight, 10 questions I'm not going to get to, but like, I like to go deep on a story right. because you know, you, you, you've spoken at my events, Dream Business Academy. And one thing I've always 
taught people, entrepreneurs, is you want to be listening with one ear, just listen intently, but listen for opportunity with the other ear. So I'm always listening. If is this going to be good? Is this what my audience is digging? I can just picture them saying, "Yeah, go go deep, Jim." Like or ask this or ask that. And you've you've really got that nailed down. On um, I'm sure there's a question here somewhere other than a giant ass compliment. Well, or- wait, <laughs> here's here's how we got started. I was asked to be the host or the guest on probably over a hundred podcasts. Right. And in business podcasting, it's the same darn story. It's like, do you know how successful I am? Yeah. I want to tell you how successful I am. And I'm like, (laughs) so bored with that conversation because I always would find out off camera, they had an alcohol issue and wound up going through 12 steps or, you know, that during that time they, they lost their leg or they fell off a mountain. Those are the stories I wanted to, to talk about. And I didn't seem to have any support around me for that idea. And then Tony Rubaleski asked me to be on a live, um, po- I guess it was a podcast back then, but he was recording it for his CD and for his his group. You were on that podcast. Ben Gay III was on that podcast and me. And Ben kicked it off by talking about the death of his son. I was like, whoa, okay, so we're going there. We're going into the failure. How do you get through that? Then you started talking about having skin cancer. And I'm thinking, well, what di- what disease or loss have I had? You know, I'm sort of like, you know, a cruise ship full of people who've had <laughs> uh, open heart surgery. You're all comparing medicine, you know. And um, the only thing I could remember is I, almost, I was almost deaf as a kid. I had severe um, hearing problems as a kid. My ears would drain and got infected and all that. And then I, uh, I broke my leg in high school on the football field during band, uh, <laughs> band camp. And I realized um, the feedback that came from that show was that was the highest rated show Tony had ever done. It got mm. more likes. It got more listens. People started talking about it. And it was all because here are three supposedly successful people talking about extreme failure. We're not talking like, oh, you know, I lost five grand. We're talking skin cancer. Son got killed. Uh, you know, I was, I was honored to listen to you guys. I was just sitting there going, wow. And that's when I started to realize I want to have deeper conversations like that. Right. And that's when I turned around and, um, I had a business partner back then and we were whiteboarding stuff. And I said, I want to call it something nation you know, because a nation is not just land. It's right. a group of people have come together. And uh, we played with names and Awakened Nation was born in uh, May of 2019. It's a great name. It's obviously got great graphics. Thanks to somebody, I guess, you know. Some guy. <laughs> Some guy. Whoa, it's crazy. Some guy with a little Mac, right? Yeah. He's able to do that. But um, yeah, you know what? You know, what's interesting to me is, and honestly, when I do this live or when I do, you know, when I go on and I teach or do anything, it's like, I, there's this formula and I call it, um, I, I've heard other people say infotainment, so I didn't create that, but right. you want to be informative and entertaining at the same time. And I don't mean like, I'm not juggling like flaming yeah. bowling pins, right? Look at me, look yeah. at me. <laughs> but people are interested. And that's why I always try and start with the backs. People are interested in that. You know, yeah. so unemployed 18 months, had cancer. My took yeah. me a one took me an entire year to get my first paying client after I formed my own corporation, right? Yeah. All of that is interesting, especially to, to your audience. And so you do a really good job with that. Thanks. Um, so besides me, who's who's like some of your biggest, biggest guests that you've had on Awakened Nation? I've had Brian Smith, who founded wow. Uggs. 
Yeah. Um, and we had a great conversation. It's really a masterclass in sales and marketing and how to overcome failure because he was kicked out of his own company. I don't know if you know this. Mm. And so we had to work very hard to get back in. Um, I've had Ryan Estes on. I don't know if you know who Ryan is, but he is one of the top keynote speakers in the country. Um, and he tells this great story of when his uh, brother died. Um, he was he was really upset and he had to fly back home. And there was this woman at Starbucks that gave him the perfect cup of coffee. And wow. that has become his keynote uh, story there. I have had Panache Desai on. He's a New York Times bestseller, sort of a, a guru type from um, uh, India and uh, lived in England. And he and I just had a phenomenal conversation. Uh, I've also had on the founder of BNI, Ivan Meisner, the Business yeah. Networking International. He was phenomenal because... Um, we had this great conversation where I said, you were in a room with 800 sales reps and you go, how many of you are here to sell something? And everybody's hand shot up and he goes, how many of you are here to buy something? And nobody's hand shot up and he goes, we have a problem. <laughs> that was a great show. So, um, and uh, sometimes, you know, the, the whole premise of the show is to really talk to people who've been through something extraordinary that knocked them on their, their butt. Right. Either mentally, emotionally, spiritually or physically. And they got back up and uh, they live life differently. Like Dove Barron. Dove Barron fell 150 feet uh, or 120 feet to his death. And he lived. He broke every bone in his body. He's had hundreds of recovery surgeries. He's mm. now one of Inc. Magazine's top speakers in the world. Uh, wow. It, it's just, a, you know, I've I've been astounded at the guests I've gotten on the show. Some are, are extremely famous. Some are just friends that I've known for years, uh, not only in comedy, who have their own HBO specials. You know, I put them on as well. Uh, but I have regular friends who are doing uh, outstanding work in the health areas, spiritualism, uh, shamanism, healing. Um, so it's really a deep dive into the extraordinary. That's awesome. Hey, we're at the uh, bottom of the hour, but I'm going to ask with Brad's permission, I'm going to go five more minutes because I want to cover one more topic because he's sure. like a multifaceted guest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so Brad, I've had you speak at, I mentioned your book, Liquid Leadership. So you're, you're like one of these speakers who understands like multi-generational workplaces and yep. stuff, which to me, I don't remember that being an issue. You were either your dad or you were you, but now it's like four generations, five generations. Yeah. So I've had you speak as a matter of fact, at my event, Dream Business Academy. And um, one time I had you come in and talk about, give a speech about how to be a great speaker. Yeah. But anyway, um, you were talking another time about this multi-generational work environment, work that, you know, I don't know what you call it, society that we're in. And yeah. one of the things you held up, you held up a view master to make a point. There you go. Now, I had one of those as a kid. I remember we all did. There's the Grand Canyon, right? Click, click. And it's like that was like high tech wizardry in 1960. Yeah, it was four. I don't know when, 65. But today, um, you know, there are people, because I remember, you know, from my wife who ran a very large daycare before we moved on to the boat, she was like, there are people that work for me that have no idea what it's like not to have a cell phone, yeah. not to be able to go to an ATM, because I we used to have to plan our life around Friday. got to get to the bank before yeah. three to have weekend money, right? All that different stuff. What So what kind of, cha I will win an award someday for the longest questions, but anyway, what kind of challenges do companies today face when they're hiring uh, team members? Well, well, let me let me 
go back a little bit. Uh, K2, who, which we were talking about at the beginning, that grew into a multi-million dollar company that we took public on NASDAQ. Wow. And I had 60 employees and I had offices. Is that right? Wow. I had an office in Dusseldorf, Germany, uh, Washington, D.C., and uh, in New York City. So uh, long story short, I'm a graphic designer. I'm a brand expert. I'm all these, you know, I'm a creative director working with new technology. But I noticed back then even our staff was starting to act weird. And I would pull aside my boomer business partners and they go, we have no idea what's going on. But our CEO, who was three years younger than me, he was like, he was like a different, he was like an alien. Okay. David Setner. And, and he knows he laughs when I talk about this, but, uh, he just, I realized they were all thinking differently. And I, in the back of my head, while I'm running the company, I'm thinking, I got to talk about this someday because we have people who want to come in when they feel like it and they want to <laughs> do work at home. And this is before we had Wi-Fi. Okay. Yeah. We had 56 K modems when we were doing the Gary Kasparov chess challenge. We did some of the highest profile websites that you've ever seen at the time. If I, if I rambled them off, you'd be like, you were the guys who did that. Yes, mm. that was us. And so I just noticed my staff was nuts and I thought, what is going on? So years later, um, I just started doing the research for my book, Liquid Leadership. And one of the places I went to was the Games and Learning Society, which brought together high tech individuals who were building games with professors at colleges to figure out how to use games as a teaching tool. And that's when I got exposed to gaming. And I realized there were three components that had changed the next generation dramatically that we didn't know about. And I always hold, you know, when I started my keynotes, Jim, people would sit in the back of the room and just have their arms crossed. Like they needed to be paddled. That's the problem. You know, that's all they said. Yeah. But I figured out a visual way to shut that down, that argument and just go, Hey, we think differently. And the first thing was I bring up a GAF Viewmaster, and I go, this was the most interactive thing a boomer could use. And if the sun went down and the power went out, you couldn't use it. And that was replaced with this. And I hold mm. up the Nintendo 64 first player, um, you know, controller. And that's when everybody shuts up and listens. We have five generations in the workforce right now. Wow. Each one has very different needs, wants, and expectations. When you and I were entered the work field, we would eventually get to a certain age where we would shut up, sit down, listen to our boss, mm -hmm. and we would assimilate into the same thinking as the previous generation. <clears throat> That's over. This next generation, they've been raised on gaming. They've been raised on getting it done faster. Um, the big complaint I hear in corporations is, um, these younger generations, and by the way, they're 40 now, so we can't sit here and call them kids, but basically they're still playing video games when they go home at night. Mm. Okay. And when they come to work, they want to skip all those little details that a boomer might have go through to make sure that their work is done right the first time. So it looks like a boomer works slow, but they don't. And a younger generation, like somebody like Adam, Adam Homie embraces the technology right away and mm -hmm. uses it and boom and leverages it. And boom. He's doing stuff that you and I don't know exists. We have to ask him. That's right. And so it's not that we aren't capable of learning that way. It's we weren't raised to be that way, to learn from those devices. So we automatically, we think I'm going to print a book. <laughs> and they're thinking, no, I want to get it out. Digital content, do a video, do this. So 
it's different working styles. And I discovered it accidentally by running my own agencies, being an entrepreneur, noticing that one generation after another wasn't looking up to me just because I'd done all these amazing things. They're like, all right, grandpa. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, then, uh, and so they never a- guess my age. They always think I'm like Gen X or something like, yeah, these boomers drive me nuts. They always tell me this. And I go, well, I'm a boomer. So it's a great book. I've read it. I recommend it. If you're if you're running a, a business and you're dealing with multi-generational issues, it's just very eye-opening. Some good practical advice. Brad, I could talk to you forever, but I I, I have to monitor the clock. Unlike Awakened Nation, where you can go for two hours. We ramble on my show. <laughs> yeah, my show's about rambling. So how can people connect with you? Where do you want them to go get the book? I know you got a new edition coming out, I believe. Oh, yeah. So the go ahead 10th and, uh... <coughs> Hold on. All right. Dry throat. Um, go uh, just do Google Liquid Leadership. You can find it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Uh, that's the old paper, uh, the hardback edition, the new paperback edition, which is the tenth anniversary edition. Wow. Uh, we've updated it because uh, I used to use Gen Y. Now we updated it with millennials. I also have a really fantastic forward written by uh, a good friend of mine, Todd Churches. Todd helped me develop my workshops. Uh, to teach generational, you know, cracking the generational code. So you can pick that up there. You can also email me at brad at liquidleadership.com. And uh, I'm out there just, you know, you can Google awakened nation, past tense, awakened nation, uh, or me, you know, my, my name is spelled in the show notes. <laughs> on sure the screen. What are yeah. show notes? I don't do those now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brad, thank you so much. I knew this would be a lot of fun, a lot of sure, value. Jim. Greatly appreciate you finally making time for me on, on my program. So anytime thank you man. so much. <laughs> thank you, Jim. Have a good one, everybody. Hey folks, that wraps up this very special interview with my guest, Brad Zalas. I highly recommend you connect with him, follow him, learn from him. He's the real deal. He will serve you well with his information. Um, you can connect with me if you care to do so at getjimpalmer.com. That is my home base. If you're interested in joining me and about 27 other smart entrepreneurs in the Dream Business Mastermind, that is Dream Biz Coaching, dreambizcoaching.com. And again, all as part of my legacy building program, which is going to be two years old in uh, May coming up, um, you can get all six of my books for free in digital format as Kindle books and Amazon, as Nook books at Barnes and Noble. And they're also in the iBook store. It's not some promotion. They are free. That's the way I'm going to help serve a larger audience and still only work three days a week. Pretty important to me. <laughs> but until this time next week, <laughs> yeah, I am Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach. You take good care. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.